There are uh, a few Facebook groups in Canada that uh, go something like this. Everything I wish I had learned in seminary, dot, dot, dot. And in these Facebook groups, clergy um, grumble a little bit about what they did not learn in their seminary education. And we've started to pay attention uh, at seminary to what some of the concerns are. And one of our responses at the college where I teach, which very much is the equivalent of Union, a Presbyterian school on the campus of a wider university, uh, is we've struck a, a relationship, a partnership with our University of British Columbia Business School so that our Presbyterian students not only get their Master of Divinity degree, but they get a diploma alongside taking courses at the business school in skills that, to be honest, we're not qualified to teach. Strategic planning, financial management, these kinds of things. And our principal thought it was a good idea to run the professors through the program first to see if we'd survive. And last year, I was in one of these courses uh, with a mix of different professionals, uh, and I was starting to chat to the gentleman beside me. I said, "Uh, what did you do during your summer? And he said, well, you won't believe I had the most amazing summer. I said, what did you do? And he said, do you watch television? And I wanted to say, beyond Netflix, not much. Uh, And he said, well, I was on the reality TV show the Amazing Race. Now, I don't know if there's a UK equivalent. It started in America, and we have our own Canadian version of Amazing Race, where these teams compete against other couples, and they have to check in, perform various tasks. So if it came to Belfast, maybe you'd have to go to the Titanic Museum, and you'd have to find clues around the Titanic Museum, and you'd end up uh, checking in, say, at Slemish Mountain at the end of the episode, and the last team to arrive is eliminated. And this gentleman sitting beside me in this business class who worked for a local bank said that he competed with his sister, And when he found out I was a Presbyterian minister, he was delighted. He attended a local Korean Presbyterian church uh, in Surrey in a suburb of Vancouver. And he then uh, proceeded to tell me how he has used his television experience uh, to be a blessing to local youth groups. And he goes out and he talks about how while they were running this race, in which they came in second of all the teams, Uh, He would get up early in the morning with his sister, and they would pray together. And they would pray, not the prayer that perhaps some of us would think, Lord, let me win this contest, but they would pray that God would use them to be a witness to the other contestants, none of whom were self-identified as Christians, and to this huge TV audience in the way that they treated each other, Because if you watch these reality TV shows, they thrive on people being quite cruel to each other. So they wanted to be a witness in the way they treated each other under pressure. And also that they would uh, be able to show something of Christ's love. And I said, well, what do you say to these youth groups uh, when you go out? And he said, when you are running the amazing race of your life, looking to Jesus... Just keep moving. Delightful. Delightful when you think about this text that is set before us today. 
Hebrews 12. Perhaps you had to memorize it in Sunday school as I did, a very familiar text. But it really is a a text that has a focus on uh, running this race of faith, but it has boundaries set out, markers. Hebrews 11, before this, has this long list of those who have gone before us and who have run their race of faith and who have now taken their seat. And Hebrews 12 um, imagines a great arena And those who have gone before us are up almost like the folks in the balcony here at Fitzroy today. And they're cheering us on as we are not spectators, but participants, right? This would be like being up at the open. I was there and a few of you I think I've heard already were there. And we shivered in the rain and watched professional golfers golfing. No, this would be like you at Calamity Corner trying to tee off, right? You're actually active. You are running the race of faith, but you're being cheered on by those who have gone before us. But who are these people who have gone before us? Oftentimes, we hear the language of saints, communion of saints, one of the important doctrines or teachings of our church, and and we think of them in terms of superhero Christians. And that, in some ways, can almost be unhelpful when you uh, hear uh, great examples of Christians who have gone before us. You can think, well, I could never be that good. I could never be that holy in my preaching classes where I teach, I usually uh, count how many references, say, to Mother Teresa or something is made in sermons, right? And I often think, I wonder how people hear that. Do they hear that as an encouragement or just a, oh, I could never be like that? Sam Wells has helped me a lot with my understanding of saints. You may be familiar with him. He's vicar of St. Martin's in the Fields, London. He has a, a terrific book, called Improvisation, the Drama of Christian Ethics, where he writes this. He says, In the New Testament, there are 64 references to saints, but everyone is in the plural, not the singular. Saints, he writes, are never alone. They assume, they demand, they require community, a special kind of community, the communion of saints. Heroes have learned to depend on themselves. Saints learn to depend on God and on the community of faith. We are cheered on in our race of faith through this life by the body of Christ in heaven the communion of saints. And I wonder, as you sit here today on a beautiful summer morning at Fitzroy, can you think of saints that have gone before you, who have cheered you on? Not saints that are memorialized by churches, by naming churches after them, not famous saints, but saints in the plural. Grandparents, parents, Sunday school teachers, pastors, church musicians who have blessed you in quiet ways. Just a few days before we left Canada, 
I was standing at a graveside in Vancouver. I was asked to officiate at the committal for uh, a former uh, board of uh, directors uh, chairperson of our college who is also uh, an elder on his local session at uh, Fairview Presbyterian Church in Vancouver for over 50 years. Bill Walker was a physicist by training, very quiet, almost introverted man, and I heard stories preparing for his memorial service, stories that I hadn't heard before about him, even though I knew him when he was alive. He was uh, vice president of BC Hydro, very important position, and the family told me he would get up early every morning during his working life, and he would go into the office at least an hour before everyone else arrived, and he would have a list of names of the employees under his care, and he would pray for each one by name every day. Quiet witness to the gospel of one who has now taken his seat in the communion of saints that surrounds us. But the passage in Hebrews 12, I don't think it wants us to linger too long on focusing on the communion of saints. We're cheered on by them. But we are also encouraged to run our race of faith. I don't know if any of you have uh, run a marathon or a half marathon in uh, Vancouver, uh, my wife and I run and get ready to cringe as, as proper Irish people. The St. Patrick's Day race in Vancouver, where everyone uh, claims to have Irish heritage. It's a dubious claim, right? Especially given the ethnic diversity of Vancouver. Uh, and you wear green, and you wear silly outfits, and you run around Stanley Park, which is beautiful. They close it to traffic. Uh, but as you run... Any of you who have done a, a race know that you can't just go kind of willy-nilly here, there, and everywhere. The race is marked out for you, right? The pathway is marked out. You can't take a shortcut. You can't really get lost. People are offering you water by the side. They're cheering you on. You have big markers telling you the kilometer mark that you're at. I think there was a time, certainly in Western society, when the race of faith that's described in Hebrews would have been more clear-cut. We were raised in countries that had nominal Christian heritage, raised to go to church. But where I practice ministry on the west coast of Canada, it is acknowledged to be the most secular part of North America. The, the cities of Portland, and Seattle and Vancouver have the lowest church-going attendance anywhere in North America. And what we're finding as we prepare people for ministry is the communities they're going out to serve are struggling now because there are no markers anymore on that race of faith to encourage people to follow Jesus. But we don't despair where we are. In many ways, the culture has given back to the church the responsibility of making disciples. In many ways, it's a return to the days of the early church. While here in Northern Ireland for the last few weeks, I've uh, been reading a fantastic book by Alan Crider, who has just published a, a book uh, called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, where he talks about it wasn't going out into the streets and doing evangelism, that grew the early church, 
but it was creating a countercultural community. To follow Jesus made you a bit strange, and the demands were high. There was sacrifice that was required. And we certainly are finding that now in parts of North America where church going is not the norm, that our dedication to Jesus makes us stand out a little bit more in society. And in order to do so, as a community, we have to encourage one another to know what those markers are so that we don't get lost on the way. On the North Shore Mountains, where I live in Vancouver, there are so many trails that you can explore. I know when Steve and Janice have been in Vancouver, they've enjoyed hiking the North Shore Mountains as well. And there are moments, I must confess, when you're on the mountain and you literally have no idea where you're going. Our family climbed Slemish when we were here this time, and it's beautiful, but I don't think it's possible to get lost on Slemish. You always know where you are. But imagine being in a mountain, on a mountain, in a forest, a rainforest with trees that take about four or five people to circle in order to get around the trunk. And you're out, and all of a sudden you have a sense of, I don't know where I am. But there are those who work for the park service that go through these trails, and every now and then they will tag a little marker up on a tree above the snow line so that you can see where you are if you're snowshoeing in the winter or way up high if you're walking in the summer. And the communion of saints that Hebrews 12 talks about are like those little markers, reminds us of the path that we're on looking to Jesus. That's why what we do here on a Sunday morning when God gathers us is so important. He's equipping us for the race that we're running during the week, that we know those boundaries that we stay within. There's a a wonderful Presbyterian minister who's now president of Fuller Seminary in California named Mark Laberton. And in his delightful little book entitled Called, He talks about his time serving what we would call a tall steeple Presbyterian church. Yes, Fitzroy, that's you. Uh, And he was shaking hands after church on a Sunday. And a gentleman came through who right away Mark spotted did not really fit the socioeconomic market of his church. And so he was especially welcoming to this person. And the guy said, oh, thanks, Pastor. Yeah, great great to worship with you. Look, I've been coming here for a couple of weeks. He said, my life is messed up. I'm just trying to get right with God. And then he said this. He said, I'm just so confused. He said, look, I've been going to some churches, and they talk a lot about Jesus and nothing about the world. And then I go to other churches, and they talk all about the world and what's wrong and how we need to fix it, and they hardly say anything about Jesus. He said, I've been coming to your church the last couple of weeks, and you seem to talk about both. And Mark writes, he felt great at that point. And then the guy said this. So, Pastor, he said, if I keep coming to your church, will I meet people like Jesus? And then Mark said he didn't feel so good at that point. In fact, he's got a great sense of humor. He said, he looked over the shoulder of the guy and thought, oh, I hope he doesn't talk to that lady because she's mean. Or, or that guy, he has conspiracy theories. No, don't, don't talk to that guy, right? But you see that sense in which the community 
shapes the witness. There are stories here that one day will take their place in the communion of saints above us, of God's faithfulness and goodness. We not only need the communion of saints, we need each other to run the race of faith, to just keep moving, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen.